Welcome to another episode of The Corner Booth, the official podcast of RestaurantOwner.com and Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. Today, the restaurant industry is changing faster than ever. Learn from successful independent restaurant operators and other industry leaders as they share best practices that will help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business. Here are your hosts, Barry Schuster and Chris Tripoli. Well, welcome to another episode of Corner Booth. I'm Chris Tripoli. And I'm Barry Schuster, editor of Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. And Barry, today we get to experience a really interesting story. I think everyone in the industry will recognize the Brennan family name, the history of concepts, Commander Palace and Brennan's and others, commitment to excellence for years and years and years. And so our guest is Alex Brennan Martin from Brennan's in Houston, Texas. Alex, welcome to Corner Booth. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. Maybe we could get started by sharing with our listeners a little of your family history and what actually got you interested in, you know, jumping in, playing a role and spending a career in the restaurant business. Uh, Nice small question. (laughs) Good way to start. Now, my grandfather, this is on my mother's side. My mom was Ella Brennan. Her father was a shipbuilder from Ireland, as was my grandmother, also from Ireland. And they immigrated to this country. And that's how he made his living. And he worked for many years in different shipyards, and they made their way down to New Orleans over time and settled in the Irish Quarter in New Orleans and raised their family. They had six children, all being good Catholics. Their youngest child, my Aunt Dottie, was being born about the time that their first son was having his second child. So, yeah, there's a nice little spread there and uh, plug for good Catholicism practices. But yeah, and most of us, by the way, are also born between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So if you do the math and go backwards, that's Mardi Gras. Uh, we're, we're all Mardi Gras babies in our family. I'm, in fact, I'm born December 6th, so I'm a Mardi Gras baby for sure. At any rate, their eldest son, my uncle Owen, was making his way in life, and he owned a gas station. In addition to that, he had a small pharmacy, and he was a liquor salesman. You know, this is back in the 20s and 30s and doing whatever he could to support his small family. And he was calling on one of his clients one night in the middle of the night. As the old story goes, you've heard it from different people. You know, the owner of the old Absent House bar said, if somebody could come up with X amount of dollars, I'd sell this joint. Well, my grandfather had just retired. This is 1945. Okay. My grandfather made a lot more money than he normally had because of all the work related to shipbuilding in World War II. And so my grandfather knew where money was and he went, woke up his father. And as the story goes, we owned the bar, you know, my grandfather and my uncle owned the old Absent House bar before the sun came up. And matter of fact, there's a wonderful picture that I have in our bar here in Houston showing the old Aston house. And several years later, we opened, the first Brennan's was actually on Bourbon Street. The picture shows the two restaurants actually with the Desire Street streetcar coming down Bourbon Street. It's a great old picture. At any rate, that's how we got into the business. And sort of one thing led to another. And my mom ended up going to work for her brother. And she learned the restaurant business really just from doing. She was a voracious reader and read a lot. And Brennan started sort of catching on and becoming successful. 
and they needed more space. And so Brennan's was going to move from Bourbon Street to where it is today on Royal Street, where most people know it at 417 Royal Street. And the long and short of it is, as they were building out that restaurant, my uncle Owen died. And small little aside, you said you wanted some stories. He had gone to dinner for a Shane de Rotisseur dinner at Antoine's. Had a good time, we're told. Came home, got in bed, and never woke up. And died in his sleep. And literally left my mom in charge. Her older brother, John, was in the Navy. He was a naval aviator. My Aunt Adelaide was very helpful, but mom sort of was in charge and her two younger siblings were still in school. The bank came and said, we just can't have a loan with a woman in charge of a business. And they started to pull the loan and whatnot. And all the family went and put more mortgages on their house. And the contractor, you know, said, look, don't worry about paying me right away. Y'all will pay me as we go. And one thing, a wonderful story like that with people really stepping up, Brennan's on Royal Street, it launched and really became a huge success. The family grew from there. And over the years, we've had restaurants in different cities and whatnot, and some worked well and some not so much. But the Brennan's here in Houston was opened in 1967. And we've been here ever since. And an interesting story about our building Our building that we're in here in Houston was built in the 1920s as the original home for the Junior League in Houston. And John Staub, who, if you live in Houston, built River Oaks Country Club, a lot of homes in River Oaks and well-known Houston architect, was hired to build this, was being entertained in New Orleans. This is in the 20s, long before my family's even in the bar business, uh, at, at 417 Royal Street. It was owned at the time by Tulane University, and the dean was living there. And he rate. Became the story goes, he became enamored with it, sketched it on a linen napkin with a charcoal pencil he 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 always carried, and uh, came back and built built this building, which was very much in the style of uh, New Orleans rather than uh, uh, what you think of as Texas uh, or Houston structures. And at any rate, in the mid 1960s, when my family came to Houston looking for a building, here was almost an exact duplicate. Uh, that had been here for about about 30 years. Um, Wow. And yeah, really under the definition of serendipity in the uh, dictionary is that little story. But um, any rate, our family's done that. We, we, you know, as my my generation has come into the business, um, you know, other restaurants have opened mostly in New Orleans. um, And, um, you know, that's kind of our story. You know, I'm probably jumping ahead here, Alex. In the November issue, we're doing an article on um, branding best practices. And mm-hmm. I mean, Brennan's, um, I don't have to tell you, years and years and years ago, you know, I'm going to New Orleans. You got to eat at Brennan's. You have this national brand. And, uh, you know, what would you tell a new operator today? I mean, you had that brand before there was Twitter or, or Facebook or social media. The, the word was out. And what's the secret sauce behind that? Or am I am I trying to dig too deep here? That's a fine question because we certainly have had our share of, of failures. There, we also had uh, Brennan's in Atlanta and Dallas, both of which we sold and chose not to continue operating. Um, you know, we've all done different things here and there. Um, but sort of our main core restaurants, Commanders, Brennan's, continue to do very well. Of course, there's, you know, Mr. B's in New Orleans, which was, you know, my, my mother and Uncle Dick's first 
casual restaurant, if you will. Mr. Bees is 50, uh, 40 years old now. Um, and I, I, I think the, 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 the common thread and the common denominator um, is, and this is only for our kind of restaurant. I'm certainly not trying to speak for fast casual. I'm certainly not trying to speak for it. But if you're going to run a, a, a quality dining, uh, owner-driven restaurant, the owner, you got to be there. Um, and, and, and I think that that is a, uh, that's a prerequisite and, and, and not only do you have to be there, but you, but you have to be there in spirit. You, you have to be the guiding force. You have to be the, the guiding light and, and you have to stay very close to your customers and, and a little bit ahead of them. Um, it, that, that is a very important part. My, my, my mom really believed, you know, there was a, a wonderful quote by uh, uh, the actress uh, Helen Hayes and, and, and uh, uh, if, you, if you rest, you rust. Um, and, and mom used to beat into us, a uh, mom and Uncle Dick and, and uh, gosh, all of them. But they would beat into us, we are only as good as the last meal we have served. You know, that, that little bit of entrepreneurial terror um, that, that you've got to keep your standards up and keep your standards moving. And, you, and you've got to be willing to give guests what they want, but sometimes they don't yet know what they want. You have to be an innovator. You have to be a, uh, uh, willing to uh, push the envelope just, just a little bit and not only serve your greatest hits. Many of our current greatest hits certainly weren't on the menu when we opened. Um, and, 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 and so evolving the restaurant, um, evolving the business, evolving the operations, whether not just for menu, but it certainly relates to service, certainly relates to ambiance. Um, you, you, you've got to stay, you, you got to stay current. You got to stay in, engaged and active. It's we're, we're not a concept. We're a, we're, you know, we're, we're a restaurant. And, um, and, 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 you know, mom gave me a, when I first moved here in the eighties, um, uh, I had been in culinary school in, in, in France and were then working in France and then New York. And, um, I, uh, when I moved to Houston and uh, mom was visiting over here and she scribbled on the back of a, a beverage napkin, the name of, you know, 10 competitors of ours here in the restaurant. She said, you need to go understand what they're doing. You need, you need to study them. You need to look at who their customers are. You need to understand what they're doing so that you can then be the best version of yourself. You're not trying to copy them. You're not trying to be better than them. You're trying to be the best version of yourself. And, um, and, and mom was very much a student of the business um, and, and business in general, but was certainly a student of the business. And, and, and that's been part for me, trying to understand where, where our customers are, are going just a little bit ahead of, 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 of where they are, but still giving them the, the, the things that they're coming for us for. And for us, it, it really boils down to Southern hospitality. I, I, you know, Barry, that was, I think, such a good point for a family traditional re restaurant company like Brennan's to comment on the power of the brand. Uh, and I also think for our listeners to pay attention to each of those just comments 
that just came off so naturally about the power of brand. And please pay particular note that not one of them was about a current marketing program. It had nothing to do with a marketing or advertising or promotion to keep that brand working, but it was all more about uh, ownership involvement. It was more about staying current. Uh, and I love that zero sum game that you were talking about, you know, because today's guest being successful means nothing to tomorrow's guest. So no. the consistency of maintaining your operation is what helps build the brand. Thank you so much for sharing that, Alex. I, I just don't know that there's, I don't know that there's another way to do it. It's not in the long haul. It's, it's very, my uncle Dick used to always say, it's easy to be great in short bursts. It's very difficult to do it over time. And for us, what our customers, you know, tell us, our repeat customers, we, we have, we have customers and not just a few that have hundreds upon hundreds of visits with us. Uh, and this is only since we've had computer uh, uh, reservation system so yeah. track it. Some of these customers even predate that. And when I say hundreds, we, we, we have one customer who's well over 800 visits. Wow. And we know we have to earn his, their, their family's business each and every time that they come in. And I think that's one of the things that, 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 that they appreciate but they also create memories within the business. And, and I think that is something, the emotional part of, of, of this. I often feel like I'm, I'm watching this restaurant for Houston, for Houston. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they have memories here. We are very fortunate to be able to be a part of, they come to us to celebrate occasions and um, and, and, and we get to be a part of their lives and being here, you know, gosh, you know, 30, 30 years, what is 1980s doing the math? We're coming up on, you know, 40 years, I guess. Um, I I'm now seeing the, the, the kids that were kids when their parents brought them in, bringing their kids. Um, it, it, it really is a, a, a wonderful, it, it's, 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 it, it's, it's a great way to spend a career. You know, as you're talking, the other thing that is occurring to me, um, or at least I would guess, uh, you know, everybody's talking now about employee engagement, culture, you know, we have a labor shortage, so companies are really trying to reduce turnover, trying to get those folks. I got to believe, you know, since it's the employees ultimately are going to execute your vision and your philosophy, that way back, you paid attention to that, and I, I got to believe you really had a strong culture and you were, and you did something that made your employees loyal and helped them get it. Um, I'm just guessing here, but can you tell me what was going on on the ground there? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, some years ago, uh, you know, when wonderful business books were being written by Stephen Covey and uh, 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 um, uh, Good to Great and some of the other wonderful books that, that, that came out, it, it became really interesting. I was having conversation with my mother and my uncle and, and like, really, what is the secret sauce, if you will? And they said, well, you know, it's all the things that we, we, we do. It's hard work and whatnot. And, and we, we really, we set about to figure out what the answer to that question was. And, and we really talked to our customers and we, we spent time with people who understood culture and, and businesses. And, and we came to understand what we call the simple truth of our business. Um, 
it, it, we create great memories for our guests. And uh, actually, I ended up writing a book with that as the title, but uh, uh, the simple truth. But the, the, the long and short of it is, is, is if, if we as owners can instill in our managers and our employees and everyone that's working, working with us, no matter what their role is, our, our customers are willing to come and leave their money with us because they're getting something more than just a meal, something more than just service, something more than just ambience. They're getting a memory. And, and that's a very powerful human emotion. And we like to think, and as we teach that in our training um, in, in our family restaurants, we, we, how people do their job is just a little bit different if they understand why what they're doing matters. I mean, yeah. what would be more honorable than helping giving another person a great memory? And 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 that's what we that's what we really work on with folks. And and it helps. I mean, we from a tenure standpoint, um, I've I've got a, a one employee that is at uh, about forty eight years now. And then we've got, oh, I've got uh, about eight or nine north of 30 and certainly, you know, another 10 or 15 that are north of 20 years. And so if they get to feel good about what they're doing, if, if, if we encourage them to, to, to give of themselves and they see the rewards of, of what they're, they're doing, it, uh, well, it just makes deposit in a different kind of bank account. See, you know, Barry, we've seen this before, you know, where people talk about the importance of training and they seem to dwell on the what you need to do or the how you need to do it. But in order to develop that bond that makes people stay and feel valuable is doing more of what I'm hearing Alex talk about, where they understand the why. I guess, I guess that's a big difference. If mm -hmm. staff feel they understand the why, that means they're understanding your drive, they're understanding what the passion was for the creation, what the objective is. Uh, they obviously bond with that, maybe do a better job, or certainly in your case, stay longer. You, know, you hear a lot of the younger operators talking about Seth Godin and, and who promotes the why. Um, and what I'm hearing is, is you all figure that out a long time ago and really validated, you know, uh, a sense of purpose. Uh, I want to work here because there's a sense of purpose. I'm not just getting a paycheck. I'm doing something important. That's what I'm getting out of it. I, so I read an article a long time ago and it, and it really stuck with me. I said, you know, we all, all humans are listening to the same little radio sta station way back in our little reptilian brain. <laughs> uh, uh, and it plays 24, seven, 365. And it, Human beings filter what's in it for me, right? Everything they do. Is this going to be good for me or bad for me? Yes, I'll do it. No, I won't. Uh, fight or flight, all that sort of stuff. Well, the idea of saying you're, you're, you're not just a server or you're not just preparing meals or, or, or you're not just cleaning the restaurant or whatnot, what we're doing has, a, has another purpose of giving great memories to our guests. The employees see that and feel that and hear it. We work very hard to get them that feedback. Um, it, it, it matters. You're 100% right. The, 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 the why matters much more than the how. 
there's a lot of people that I can think of that that, that obviously worked uh, for you uh, and your organization for a while that then went on uh, mm -hmm. to open concepts. You've created, I guess, in um, indirectly, uh, you've created a lot of impact uh, into the business. Is that sort of a, I don't know, is that sort of a sweet and sour feel is, uh, to, to, you know, to, to nurture and then, you know, I guess you got to say goodbye, but, but maybe you could tell us a few of those stories. Okay. I mean, to, to take a few sort of ridiculously well-known examples, um, you know, I think most people have heard of a guy named Paul Prudhomme. Um, you know, he, he worked with us for, for quite a while. I was standing there when, when Black and Redfish happened. Uh, I just happened to be around that day and they were working on it. Um, his, the, 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 the person that ended up replacing him, a fellow named Emerald. Um, you know, certainly here in Houston, we've had great good fortune of having so many wonderful people. Uh, Chris Shepard, certainly being, being one, uh, Daniel, Danielle Soto Ennis being another, um, they're, they're, I, I mean, it's a, it is a long list. And I, I guess the one thing that, that I like to say is if, if I, I don't take much of any credit at all for what they've gone on and done. I mean, they, they, they spent time with us and certainly have helped make us the, the, the business we are. And just because I saw how gracious and how well my mom and Uncle Dick and all those uh, uh, maintained relations with Emerald and Paul and whatnot, it's always just sort of been the natural thing for me to do the same. And I'm I'm good friends with all these guys. Um, and 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 Lord knows they've they've helped me. I'll give you one great story. Um, uh, during the COVID, um, you know, when things are not going well, one of my former chefs and a fellow that came in as a pup. He was a student at the uh, Art Institute uh, in Houston, and he rose on up to become my executive chef eventually, a fellow by the name of Randy Evans. And he is now working with uh, HEB, has been for the last, gosh, six or seven years, maybe. Mm -hmm. And my phone rings one day, and it's Randy, and that's not all that unusual. And, hey, what are you doing? And I figured he was just checking on us. And he said, hey, uh, Y'all want to put some food in, in HEB? I'm like, well, are they going to pay us? <laughs> he said, yeah, that's what this is all about. And so we jumped right on it. And we were doing food for the whole COVID time uh, when, when you know, regulations, when the governor had sort of uh, down uh, downgraded the regulations a little bit for, for, for that. And we were doing, you know, everything from shrimp and grits to turtle soup and bread pudding and different things in HEB and, and, and getting paid for it and uh, was really a lifeline. There's a situation would have never happened in a hundred years um, had we not had the working relationship and relationships continue. Mom used to say all the time, bread cast on the water comes back many fold. You just, you know, that's just how you live life, man. I, I mean, I, I, I want to hire people who want their own place. Um, because while they're with us, um, that's the kind of that's the kind of output we're gonna get. Yeah. Well, that's good. And I do remember seeing your branded products in many of those grocery stores, bought some. <laughs> it was a uh, welcome, welcome surprise, I tell you. Let's talk a little bit now that we kind of got into COVID, it's hard not to talk a little bit 
about that ugly pandemic that knocked everybody for a loop. It was unprecedented. We know it created uh, some issues um, that everyone had to overcome uh, with, you know, with, uh, with, with basically switching their business structure. So in addition to the opportunity that you had to brand product for retail grocery stores, maybe you could walk us through how you had to shift from no dining. How, how did you shift from say private parties? Because your particular restaurant would be the kind of place that I would think is booked with private banquets. Unbelievable period of time in advance and all of those had to go away. So how yeah. did you make the shift? How did you get through it? Uh, that, that's a good question. We're still getting through it, truly. Um, our, our business here, where we're located in Houston, just outside, we're in Midtown of Houston, just outside of downtown. Our, our, our business really, Monday through Thursday, uh, really boils down to uh, it's business travelers. Okay. Uh, people that are in the office buildings, people are in the hotels, and the, and the folks in Houston that are they're coming to meet with be entertained by. Uh, that's our Monday through Thursday, night and day. Uh, well, downtown Houston remains a, the, the softest spot in terms of uh, hotel occupancy in the city. It's still very soft. Most businesses, as you well know, aren't back yet. There's, there's been precious little we've been able to do about that Monday through Friday with people working at home, out in the suburbs, and, and, and working remotely. There just hasn't been much of an answer there. Um, Lord knows we've tried a few ideas. The other third, the, other, the second leg of our three-legged stool is uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and that's local Houstonian business. And that has stayed with us. So long as we were open, we've had, we've had the locals, we've had the, spe the, the special occasions, even when we were only doing a very few people, it was still the anniversaries, it was still the birthdays, it was still the engagements, anything like, like that. Um, and, and so that has been the least affected. And the third leg, you're right, you're very right, Chris, is the third leg of our stool and really always been about a third of our business is, is private functions, private, private parties. That's basically, you know, what was affected it, as you might have thought. Um, you know, business is just not doing any and uh, just really beginning to start coming back now. And then uh, the, the personal stuff has been continued to happen very small why not? So what were we able to do? Well, we shifted to a to-go model. Uh, I'll never forget the, you know, we, we as soon as the, the uh, our dining rooms closed, you know, very quickly there was Easter and then Mother's Day and whatnot. And we had, uh, we, we shifted gears and we did, uh, we'll, we will do, for example, on an Easter about 1,200 people for the day. Um, and we shifted to Easter and we did about 500 orders of to go. You should have seen the, the, the line. The traffic was incredible. And this I put down to our customers feeling loyalty to the restaurant. It's not that Brennan's is a great to go food business. Most of our food, turtle soup travels pretty well. Bananas Foster, not, not so much. Um, and so people were coming because it, it, it had been their tradition and they wanted to, to continue it during the disruption of, of COVID. But we had to turn, our main dining room turned into a, 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 an assembly line just to a, a pull the orders together. And I'm outside playing traffic cop, uh, trying to get people in and turn them around. 
so we, we, we did the to-go thing. Very quickly, we got into HEB, and that became a, an overwhelming, uh, we, we just couldn't keep up. Um, and so, so that was, again, great good fortune, but built, again, broadcast on the water comes back and uh, really helped us tremendously during that time. To this day, we're still struggling with Monday through, through Friday business, uh, Monday through Thursday business, if you will. And we're and, and and certainly private parties, our, our banquet functions are, are are just really only now starting to come back, and and we're we're very hopeful we'll 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 build into December. But yeah, I, I learned a lot about um, PPP. I learned a lot about RRF, mm-hmm. uh, and and spent a lot of time on those, and and those have been certainly a fabulous lifeline for us. So combination of all that to go business, which we never really had much before. Of uh, the HEB, the uh, the and the the government programs have kept us going very well, and and we'll, you know, be ready when this thing is over. But I don't know, Pip. You know, how do you pivot a fine dining restaurant into a, I don't know, a burger joint? Uh, and especially where we're located, there are not that many people that live where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so it's not like we're in the suburbs that where some of those restaurants in the suburbs did quite well, right. Uh, you know, d- during this, but we've had the opposite. And, you know, looking ahead, I mean, um, you know, I understand that to go was a, a safety net, the HEB deal was a safety net. And, uh, you know, it's amazing, uh, you know, a restaurant that is, I would consider just the consummate fine dining definition was able to make that pivot. But, uh, you know, let's say, you know, the, the, the pandemic starts easing off, the vaccination rates are going up, um, and all that traditional business starts coming back. Do you see yourself maintaining to-go business? Do you see yourself doing, being aggressive with branding uh, to retail? Um, uh, there are some business thought leaders say, you know, that's not going to go away. The levels are going to stay pretty high, regardless of if things go back to the old normal. I certainly think that's the case. Um, I, I don't think there is going back to old normal. Uh, that, that that just doesn't, there, there will be a new normal and we don't know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. I definitely think some to-go business is a part of it. We're finding out what we do well and what we can do profitably that offers a value proposition to the customer and to the guest. We're doing more of that. Um, Thanksgiving, for example, this year, where we have never done any any to-go, we are certainly geared up again for another big to-go year. We're only doing the sides. We are not trying to do birds and whatnot, but we're doing all the all the sides and whatnot. And 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 we're get we're pretty well sold out. Uh, there's only so much production we can push through and do what we need to do for our Thanksgiving day here in the in the restaurant. So we're we we can do well what the what's the value to the customer and we can make money um there's so, certainly some things eggs benedict to go <laughs> you know with an uber driver not so much um and but so so definitely yes i see those things happening where we are working as we speak with a with a co-packer um and and trying to jump through all the hoops the problem that we're having there is he's got as much labor shortage as we do um, and so getting, getting us um, to where we can go and, and, and re-engage with HEB and others is, is it's difficult because we're just short of people. 
I'm happy to hear that you are keeping that on the list because although it might be difficult with supply side uh, interruption and labor shortage, it's good to hear that you're keeping that idea of the branded packaged foods in retail on your list going forward. Commanders has done very, very well with gold belly. Um, we could not pick that up because we simply didn't have the labor to do HEB and that uh, when we were shut down. Um, and so certainly things like gold belly are really interesting and in, in, in another significant source of, of revenue. Commanders is having to actually build a, a build out a, a, a space dedicated just for gold belt. Um, and we're having to work with a co-packer because we simply, there's no way we can produce the volume that, 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 that that's required. We're, we're also learning though, the, the, the margin on a, uh, something you, you, you sell into a grocery environment or something that is a lot different, um, than, than what, what we, the margins we, we, we're, we're used to operate. With, oh, other uh, restaurant operators I've talked to who really prided themselves or do pride themselves on this customer experience, this high-level engagement, and then had to pivot to a lot of take takeout to go delivery business that they hadn't done before. This whole concept of digital hospitality came up because now you are contact with people, you know, ordering systems and uh, it's electronic and your interaction with your guests are uh, are fleeting. Um, but for your brand and, and you said it so eloquently, you know, it created a memorable experience. Uh, is there some things you've done particularly to translate that to this digital um, relationship? That's a great question. Um, so I, people talk about high-tech solutions. I, I, I try to focus on high-touch solutions. And, and what we're finding is the people that are wanting to order uh, fr from us and the people that are consistently doing Now, I'm not saying we did a lot more with the third-party delivery services and whatnot. And I just don't know how you make that a part how, how you personalize that. I haven't broken that code yet. But we're finding the people that, that are ordering and repeating, they're calling. They want, they want that contact. Um, and, 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 we, and we encourage it and we'll spend that extra time with them. And it's, it is part of the experience. We try to put in a little, a little something extra in, 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 into the bags or uh, just a little thought or this or that. And, and, and our, our folks are so creative and, and have these just great ideas. And I usually find out about it after they, <laughs> it's already in, in process. And, and, and you just hear, we just get lovely response from people just from that little extra thought. We give away pralines um, at the front door of our restaurant and, and started doing it about the third year that I was here. And it was really just on a fluke where we had made pralines for a party and an event and we had a lot extra. And so we just set them out at the, at the front door on a silver tray and, and, and well, the response was overwhelming and, and people were like, started saying, well, where are the pralines? And we started, well, we started, we just sort of started doing it again. And in New Orleans, in Louisiana, there's a term lanyard, which, you know, means just a little something extra, uh, Baker's dozen. Um, we, we try to encourage Lanyap 
in, in how our employees uh, serve, uh, interact with guests, a little something unexpected, a little something extra. And th that that concept, we, we, we keep up. And, and how be dog, I just don't know how you do that digitally, it, which means that we're not going to be able to do that in super high volume. But there sure is a lot of volume for me and people wanting that contact, even if they can't be with us. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's a, it, I, I, I will, I'll tell you one story and it, the story sort of oh, oh, sometimes overwhelms me, but um, we had a fire here in this restaurant uh, in, in 2008 during Hurricane Ike. And our roof burned off of our, our wonderful 1920s old building. And um, so we were closed for about 20 months. And um, at any rate, it can't, one, one family who comes for every big day, every big event, it was uh, Christmas Eve. And they uh, uh, packed up their dinner and brought it down in front of the restaurant and set up tables and chairs in, in, in the middle of the Stewart Street in front of the restaurant and had their Christmas dinner at Brennan's. And they like to say they're, they're the only family that's never, that has an unbroken streak of <laughs> truly every year. And, you know, it, that's, that's when you know you're, you're, you're getting, you're on point with what your customers are looking for. Um, it's that kind of connection that we have and that our employees get to have. And, and, and that I can't emphasize that enough. People don't stay with you for 47 years and 30 years and 25 years. If they're not getting something more than just a paycheck, what's in it for them, right? What's in it for me? And, and they get the gift of, of, of the gratitude from the guests for those great memories. Uh, and and, and that's, that's the secret sauce, if you really wanna know. Southern hospitality. Um, mom, my aunt Adelaide said, uh, uh, would often say Southern hospitality is treating like your guests, like they were home, even if you wish they really were, uh, <laughs> you, 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 it, it's it, for them. It, for us, it's Tuesday night. Um, you know, for them, it's a tradition and keeping that in mind and, 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 and managing towards that with, with with all of our folks, not just our servers, but with the folks in the kitchen and the support staff, staying focused on the only thing that matters, getting the memory to the guests is the only thing matters. And that's what, that's my job, staying focused on that. And if you stay focused on that, you, you get to keep going through COVID. You get to keep going through all, all the, all the crazy stuff that, that happens in the world, fires and floods and everything else. Are you able to continue, you know, your uh, menu updates, your seasonal menuing uh, specials, et cetera, with the current supply side issues? Or are you having purveyor, you know, curveballs that are restricting some of the things that you're offering for the menu or for private parties? Yes, um, it is tough. As a matter of fact, right before I got on with you guys, I, uh, my longtime uh, chef and general manager, uh, Cole Walker, and I were meeting with our uh, 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 Mr. Jimmy, who has supplied us oysters and shrimp for, for many, many years. And we're going through what 
just is there and what is not. Um, there was a big hurricane that came just west of New Orleans and up through uh, Port Fouchon and, and uh, Grand Isle and Thibodeau, Homa area up through Laplace and, you know, just wiped out so many of the oyster beds and more importantly, wiped out so many of the fishermen in that area. Well, that's, if you want to know, you know, some people go to Cisco. I, we go to the Atchafalaya Basin um, and that's where our stuff comes from. And, um, and so it's, yeah, we're, we're, and we're having the same normal supply chain stuff. I'm scared to death about Turkey, uh, you know, for Thanksgiving. I really, you you can buy all the so-so Turkey you want. Um, You know, uh, I don't know that we're going to have enough. I think we're going to run out of Turkey on Thanksgiving. I've never said that in my life. Um, you know, and so the, the, the supply chain disruptions are incredible. We've been waiting on refrigeration. It's gotta be six months. It's gotta be six months. And yeah, I mean, granted, this is kind of a specialty thing and whatnot, but it, 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 it spans the board. Uh, it, 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 it is across the board, I should say, um, yeah, this supply chain thing is very, very real. Oh, I've got carpet. For my my upstairs garden room, you know, it's, it's a high class problem when you have to replace carpet and chairs. It means people are, are, are you know, a lot of people sitting in them and walking on. We've got carpet that's got you know we're we're taping it back together, and because the carpet's been hanging out for the last three or four months, we have no idea when we'll get it. Um, so yeah, it's it the supply chain thing is very very real. It's driving up costs too for everybody. Yes, sir. The one thing I, that, that I was thinking as you were talking about that, though, you know, right now I take a family of four out to even a very casual chain. I get sticker shock, not because we can't afford it, just because, wow, I don't remember if it's expensive. I think one of the advantages, and I'm just guessing again, I, I don't, I, when I order from Brennan's, if I sit down or I take away your food, I'm not thinking about price so much because I, I kind of would expect to pay a little bit more. Is there any sticker shock from your guests or, or have you been able to manage costs in line? Um, how does it work with a high-end uh, concept like yourself? But I, I've got to believe your, your your costs are going up with everybody else. It's crazy. It, it is. I've, I've, I've been doing this for a long time now and I've never seen the, the, the hockey stick nature of this. Um, Yes, we are looking at not having certain dishes on the menu that we, we traditionally work just because of the cost. Now, there are certain things that it would not be safe for me to go in the dining room if we didn't have on the, on, on the menu. And so we're, we're putting it on and we're pricing it accordingly. For example, our crab cakes. Um, you know, it is, it, I, I, I've never, I'm in shock at what a pound of, of our premium a uh, 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 super jumbo lump uh, crab, never frozen crab, you know, comes in. We're buying the top of the market. We've been buying it from the same region, if not the same people for so many years. It's it's unbelievably expensive. Have our sales of crab cakes gone down? Yes. Uh, and because of price, to be sure. And 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 we're having to try to substitute other other items in um, and, and, and do the best that we can. But right now it is, um, you know, the, 
I, I can I can foresee a day uh, where where there is there's a twenty dollar bowl of turtle soup. Now it's on our menu now for fourteen dollars, but I can I can foresee a day now where you're looking at twenty dollars for a bowl of turtle soup, and I have to kind of ask myself: Are folks going to do that? Um, it, it 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 is a it's a it's a real question. And one that I don't know that there's a good answer to. And I remember, I certainly remember growing up, my mother and my uncle, you know, struggling. Nobody is going to pay $10, uh, you know, for a redfish, uh, a redfish dish. Mm-hmm. Tells you how old I am. I can remember that. Right. Um, and, but it goes up a little bit over time and, and, and eventually we, 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 we get, we get used to it and think it's normal. Um, it, it, I, I don't know where it's going. And, and labor is driving a lot of this as well. It's, it's, it's the ripple effect of, of labor. Part of the reason that we can't get the crab we used to is, is, well, folks were dislocated from the last hurricane that came through. But the, the, you can't get people to, do the, to, to pick the crab. Um, and we're now going, well, if, if nobody's going to pick the crab, then what? Or do, are we back to the days of, I remember as a kid, sometimes crabs would come in whole and we would have to process them in-house. In, in, in we may have to get back to something like that. It's, it, it's hard to know. But then on the other hand, there seems to be an inexhaustible demand for very expensive pieces of meat on a plate. I think it is troubling because I think you're right on target. Uh, labor is driving a lot of this, some natural disasters, supply side is driving cost up. Um, but I would agree with the comments that you're making. I think um, restaurants are going to have to adjust some of the things that maybe they can't get and it's okay not to serve, okay, but the core branded menu items we just have to go with, we have to raise the price. And what I'm finding is most people are at the point that you are, where they're realizing that, you know, what this means is maybe fewer people might be ordering this or spending this money. But but there are some that are still going to be demanding it. Uh, right. The public will be paying, as you mentioned, a uh, much higher price for good quality meat on the plate and, and good quality product. So it just means that many won't be able to see themselves climbing up that price chart, but many will. And so it's going to be kind of interesting to watch. I mean, it's, 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 I really, I'm not, I, I have no fear for, for quality dining in this country. I, I don't. I, I, fine dining has been written off for dead. Who knows how many times since I've, I've been in, in the business. There's still, uh, people still want that shared experience at table often, thankfully for us. They want to be with their loved ones. They want to be with their friends. They want to celebrate. And I don't think that's going to change. I do think the frequency that they do it will change, likely as prices continue continue to cry to, to, to rise. And and that's the push me pull me nature of our of our business. Um, we, we we'll see. I've been pleasantly surprised coming out of COVID what I've seen in terms of our bookings coming up for the, for, 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 for the holidays. Still nowhere near what they were in 2019. But going 
back in the in, 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 in the right direction. Now that said, several of our biggest parties of the year, people have been having their Christmas party on the first Saturday of the month um, and have been for decades, have postponed and pushed pushed off to next year because their business, their law practice, whatever they are, um, just isn't gathering yet. Thankfully, we've been able to book some, some, some smaller things in as substitutes, which I didn't know that we would, which I did not know that we would. So that tells me it's not just our traditional customers that want what we're doing. That there's another there's another level of folk um, that that are willing to pay willing to pay for and 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 want that experience and and uh, so that that makes me very positive. You know, Chris uh, Alex really um, has made me think of the way we classify restaurants. You know, I've talked about this all the time, and it's really a scale from high convenience to high quality, high touch. And when COVID broke, everybody was declaring the death of fine dining. And I'm kind of turned around on this. I'm more concerned for the concepts in the middle. There's the people who want the high convenience. They want something food outside of their kitchen they can bring here. And on the other hand, they want what Alex has described as that guest experience, that high touch, high quality food, feeling really good about the whole experience, not just what you're eating, but but the experience in itself. Yeah. Again, I, I'm kind of worried about the people in the middle. You know, I, I'm not so worried about the Brennans of the world anymore. Uh, yeah, Barry, I, I think you're reading the tea leaves right. And I think uh, I think Alex's comments, I think are right on bullseye. I think frequency of what we might call luxury or high end or fine dining, um, frequency might be a little down, but the demand is always there. There's always the need for the special occasion the private party, the family celebration, the holiday dinner. See, these are all things that spell uh, memorable. And going back to Alex's comments, I mean, you're just so on target. It's that you're in the business of creating memories. Well, bingo, that's exactly what everyone on that luxury side should be saying. It isn't a meal. It isn't just service. You're building a memory. So Barry, I think you're right. Uh, Memorable dining is here to stay. Form might change. Frequency might lessen. Uh, and there's no doubt that uh, lower price, convenient, third-party delivery, pickup, takeout, curbside, all those things that reek of convenience will increase. So it's the guys in the middle that have to adjust. The guy, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting in these next few years to see how those categories do adjust. Mm-hmm. Wow. But Alex, you have been a joy to listen to. <laughs> Uh, I wish we had another hour or more, uh, but we kind of have to wrap up now, but we certainly want to thank you for taking the time sharing a story of tradition, um, of commitment to high quality and excellence uh, and development of so many people uh, is something that hopefully our our listeners uh, enjoyed as as much as we have. It was a real education, Alex. Uh, Thank you very much for sharing that with us. Uh, It's it's my pleasure, guys. And and, uh, Chris, enjoy the hill country, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. And for all of you, please join us again on another episode of Corner Booth. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on the Corner Booth. We'll be back next Tuesday with more inspiration, insights, and industry best practices to help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business.